Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, I hope you guys are excited as I am. It is so good uh, to see every single one of you, seeing everybody in their, their Easter's best dressed up and looking around and seeing this full room. And I'm so excited that every single one of you is going to be at church next week. Stand-up comedian, right? Okay, if you have your Bibles, join me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke chapter 24. And while you're turning there, I want to give you some context as to kind of what we're talking about today. Um, as we mentioned, today he is risen. It's the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, and that he's alive and, and well. So these are things that you'll see in the songs that we sing, and every moment is meant to celebrate what that is. But we want to take a different approach today as we unpack what this really does mean for us as followers of Christ. What is our response to the empty tomb. If you guys didn't get a chance, I want to invite you to go onto our YouTube page and check out our Good Friday service. It was a special service. It's only about 20 minutes. Um, and we unpacked the crucifixion, why the crucifixion needed to take place, and what's leading up to the very moment we're in right now. So that's the context of what's led us up to this moment. Why did Jesus have to die? All that's addressed on our Good Friday message. So if you didn't check it out, go check it out because it'll help you get understanding as to why are we celebrating? Why is Keith dressed up in a, in a jacket? Because next week, I'm wearing a hoodie. Like this is, that's, that gives us context as to what all that looks like. Another reference point that I want to give you, just again, for me, um, a lot of times when we're on our faith journey, we're often wondering, what do I need to do to continue to strengthen and to grow my faith? There's nothing that I did to strengthen my faith more than just reading God's word. I use other resources. There's a lot of different systems and tools, but what helped me more than anything else is just reading God's word. That literally was the thing that strengthened me the most. And so I want to give you a couple of reference points just for you to have to go back and read at another time, again, to give you context as to what we're talking about today. One, I want you to read Romans chapter five in its entirety. Just read it. It really does paint the picture of what sacrifice is and who Jesus is and, and what he came to accomplish. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, read it in its entirety. It really talks about uh, the resurrection. Why did it take place? What does it mean for us? But inside of chapter 15, of 1 Corinthians, um, there's two verses I want to read before we land and spend the rest of our time um, in the Gospel of Luke. It says this, it says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all are made alive. Ultimately, what this passage is going to summarize for us, and I'm going to make every effort to do it, is that we have mankind that was represented by Adam. And, and Adam entered into a rebellious moment, and that created sin. So, so let me paint the picture this way. If anybody is a, is a sports fan, you understand that you're all part of one team, but one person's actions can bring penalty to the entire team. You guys tracking with me? So Adam represented all mankind. He represented humanity. So when he rebelled against God, sin entered the picture, and now mankind was dealing with the consequences of what this one man did. But then Jesus comes in, and in the same way that we can be impacted by one man's decision, in the same way, Jesus came in and hit the game-winning shot. And, and watch this, and even if I didn't get off the bench, I get a ring too. As long as I have on the right jersey. We just getting started, y'all. As, 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 as long as I have on the right jersey, then I can benefit from the success of being on a team. So one person can penalize the team, but also one person can lead us to victory as long as we are on the right team. Ultimately, that is what this moment is really all about for us. 
So to give you context, Jesus has lived his life. He's died as the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind. And now it's been three days. And these three days have passed and it's been three days of anguish and despair. And, and now the disciples get to that third day and, and Mary and a couple other women, they go, to the, they go to the garden tomb to just kind of be there and to mourn and to grieve. And they find that the, the tombstone has been rolled back and that they see that the grave is empty. So from here, we get a, a couple of different accounts that, that tell us that they have an angelic encounter. They have this moment where they recognize the tomb is empty. They see that Jesus left his grave closed there. They're, they're processing through all of this stuff. The women go back and, and they, tell, they tell Peter and, and John, they run and they see that the tomb is empty, but they still are trying to process what does the empty tomb really mean? They go back, but Mary continues to stay there. And while she's there, she sees Jesus. He tells her that my work isn't done yet. You go back and tell them that we got work to do. So she goes back and she tells the rest of the disciples, I seen Jesus. Many of them were confounded by this. They were conflicted by this because Back in those times, they just really didn't respect far as a culture. I digress. Okay. I may only see one of y'all like once a year, so I'm going to get it all out now. Okay. So, 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 so they still didn't know what to do with it. The rest of the disciples, they stayed there, but there were two that left. I want to talk to you a little bit about what happens with them. So starting at Luke 24, verse number 13, the Bible says this, later that Sunday... Two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events that, that the last few days, and Jesus walked up and accompanied them on their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God had prevented them from recognizing him. Then Jesus says to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad, so gloomy. I got to pause here because at this moment, I just, I can't help but to recognize the sense of humor that Jesus has. Like, if we don't think that church is supposed to be fun, just look at the Bible. Jesus is walking alongside these guys that are really confused about what happens. And he walks up and says, hey, what are you guys so sad about? What's going on? So they're like, they respond back to him and they're like, they stopped. Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who was unaware of the things that happened over the past few days? Jesus is like, what things? <laughs> what happened? Watch this. They asked Jesus what things, and then Jesus says, they said to him, to the man of Nazareth, they replied, the mighty prophet of God who, who performed miracles and wonders, his words are powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people, they sentenced him to death and they crucified him. We all hoped that he was the one to redeem and rescue Israel. Imagine talking to the solution about your problem and don't even invite him to solve it. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and they found it empty. They claimed that two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to go see for ourselves and we found the tomb empty exactly like the women said. But no one has seen him. They're still trying to reconcile what they've heard, what they've seen, and measuring that with the fact that Jesus still appears to be absent. If I can be honest, I believe that that's probably a reflection of each and every one of our journeys. 
where we have moments where we invite Jesus in and we're looking for Jesus and we see other people who are excited about Jesus, but there's moments where we're like, others have talked about this. Others have talked about this great joy. Others have talked about celebrating. Others have talked about being healed. Others have talked about this moment when you accept Christ into your life, but I haven't seen it. I want to talk a little bit about that today. So if you're taking notes, and of course, the celebration in Orlando, we take notes because that gives you the fast pass to heaven. We know that. That's in scripture somewhere. I want you to write down this message title, Where Are You Going? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity for us to come and gather in your name. We don't take these moments lightly. So God, I decrease and ask that you increase. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And we ask that you speak and that you move and you challenge us, you inspire us. I pray that you give us open eyes to see you, open ears to hear you and open hearts to receive everything that it is you wanna speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. So um, last week, Megan and I, we had the incredible privilege of, of having our granddaughters in town with us. Um, and it's, it's really like we worked so, so, so hard. And when I say we, I mean Megan worked so, so, so hard uh, to make sure that they were well taken care of, making sure that their hair was laid, that they were done. Like she was really on it. I, I was there just cheering her along because everybody plays a part on the Pittman team. I'm the biggest cheerleader. I'm like, girl, you go ahead. If they're up, go ahead. They need to take a shower, you go ahead. If you need me to do anything, let me know I'm here. I'll be upstairs playing Madden. But if you need anything, um, it's just, you know, but we all play our part. And so on Sunday, uh, my son Keith Jr. And, and Katrina, his wife, they came down um, and we were all together as a family, which are moments I really, really appreciate considering we all don't live in the same city anymore. So we're all together, we're at the house and we're, we're relaxing, we're watching TV. And then the time came where it was time for them to go home. So we're packing up all their things. And so I go outside with Keith Jr. and I, I noticed and I completely forgot that he had bought a new vehicle. He got like this, I call it like his, his, his dad mobile. Now, now, as we're outside, we're walking around the vehicle and I'm having conversations with my son that my dad had with me. Like, I'm looking at the tread on the tires. Man, like, how much gas mileage are you getting on this thing? Like, I'm talking to him about gas mileage and stuff. I'm looking at all the space on the inside of it. Like, I'm at a point now where I'm admiring his roof rack. What has happened to me? Like, seriously, what has happened to me? I used to be the guy that was like, man, like, man, what kind of tires are you going to put in this? Now I'm like, man, that roof rack, it looms very efficient. How much space can you get in your trunk? And, and, and it just, it brought me to this reality of just like how much I've gotten old. Because to me, I still remember like when I was giving him driver's lessons. Now, now side note, in the Pittman household, I have been designated as the driver's ed family member. I am the one in our family that teaches all of our children how to drive. I, I didn't choose this role. The game chose me. Now, 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 here's why. Here's why. Because of the two responsible adults being myself and Megan, only, only one of us has the capacity and the poise to be in the passenger seat and not overreact over every little thing. I'm looking at you, Megan. So if you ever have ridden with my wife before, have you ever drove with somebody who's like an overreaction person when they're in the passenger seat? Like every little thing, like, ah! I'm like, I'm looking out the same windshield you're looking out at. I see everything that you see, I promise you I do. And you'll be amazed at this, Megan. I have made it to so many destinations where you're not even in a car. So imagine that, I actually know what I'm doing. I digress. So because I am the designated person that's gonna teach my family how to drive, I now have the responsibility of teaching my children how to drive. So I remember this moment where I'm teaching Keith how to drive and he's been driving for several months at this point. He's doing very, very well. So we got to a point where I'm actually comfortable with him. 
So as we're on our way home after he finished one of his sporting events, I'm in a passenger seat. It's a straight shot to our house. Just take the highway, get off at our exit, make two left turns, make a right turn, and boom, you're at our house. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. So I said to him, I'm like, man, like, you know where you're at? Dad, I know where I'm going. You go ahead and relax. I got this. I'm like, man, my son cares for me. He does. <laughs> I lean the seat back. It's been a long day. I close my eyes. I open my eyes up again, and I'm in a neighborhood that I have never been in before. <laughs> I'm looking around, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And when I say a neighborhood I've never been to before, I'm talking about a neighborhood I intentionally have never been to before. I'm, I'm in a part of town that nobody goes to. So I'm there and I'm looking around and I look over at my son. I'm like, where are you going? This dude is still leaned back with the music on, nodding his head like he's not lost right now. So I say, where are you going? And he's like, huh? I said, turn the music down. Now, again, you have to understand my context. My context is I'm the parent who doesn't freak out. I'm the parent that keeps their cool. So I'm not trying to get out of character. So I'm like, hey, man, um, turn, turn, turn the music down, son. Um, where are you going? He's like, huh? I said, where are you going? <laughs> and he, and he kind of, he jerked from me. He's like, he's like I, I, I didn't want to wake you up. Um, I, I, I got off at the wrong exit. And I'm like, and you just kept going? Like, why, why wouldn't you say something? Like, why would you intentionally, like, not say anything to me? Like, you're really going to, like, get off at the wrong exit and just keep driving and never say anything. Like, how crazy is it that you're going in the direction that you know is not going to lead you to the destination that you're supposed to be in, but you're just going to keep going? Man, y'all better talk to me, man. I got 16 minutes left. You're, you're going to keep going. You, you know the direction you're going in is not going to take you to where we're supposed to go, but, but you're going to keep going. You know the direction that you're going in is not going to have any ability for you to refuel, but you're going to keep going. Why in the world would you keep going? And he simply said to me, the signs were there, but I missed it. Have you ever missed it before, church? Where, where the signs were there but you miss it. I, I am the type of person that you don't want to sit next to me at a movie theater because I'm narrating the whole thing. I'm like, help, yo, I know exactly what's about to happen. Like, I see he's going to do this. That person's shady. Don't trust that person. Like, I'm, I'm that guy. And so whenever I actually get to a movie and there's a plot twist and I didn't see it coming, like, I literally beat myself about, like, how did I not see that? Like, dang it, I should have saw that. I beat myself up because the signs were there. I should have known that that character was actually the one who was shady. I should have known that was a person who was actually the one stabbing everybody in the back. How did I not see the signs? But what happens when there's a plot twist in our own lives and there's people whose characters are revealed and the signs were there, but we missed it? I, I saw that you were going to betray me and I missed it. I, I saw that this relationship was profoundly toxic and I missed it. I, I saw that this was not the place that I'm supposed, I don't have peace in this relationship. I, I'm not happy right now. The signs were there, but yet I continued to go in this direction and I completely missed it. How, how often do we find ourselves going in directions that are not able to produce peace, but we find ourselves going in directions, even though the signs are saying, turn around, dead end, one way. And we still keep going and we wonder why we end up at the destination that we never wanted to be at. See, for the disciples, the signs were there of who Jesus was, but they missed it. For, for the Pharisees, the signs were there, but they missed it. For, for the culture, the signs were there of who Jesus was and what he was intended to do, but, but somehow they missed it. And then for Jesus' closest followers, the signs were there. But when they saw the empty tomb 
and, and they didn't quite understand how to process through the empty tomb. They were filled with fear. They were filled with anxiousness. They were filled with stress. And then two of them said, man, you know what? I'm checking out now. After all that they've seen, after all that they've done, after walking on water, after multiplying fish and loaves, after healing blind eyes, after doing all the things he's done, these two saw the empty tomb and was like, man, y'all can have this. I'm out. They left Jerusalem. Now, here's what you got to understand. Jerusalem, that is literally the spiritual epicenter of the world. It is where the temple was. It is where the presence of God was. It is where the community of God was. So think about this for a moment. When they got hit with the moment where they had been exposed to the empty tomb, and the empty tomb was going to require faith for them to anchor themselves, they hit an environment that required faith from them. They hit an environment that was going to require something to stretch a little bit, and their response and reaction to it is, I can't do this anymore, I'm out. They didn't know what to do with that emptiness, so they left the place of community. They didn't know what to do with that emptiness, so they left the place of accountability. They didn't know what to do with that emptiness, so they left the place where there was actually strength and support. Isn't it interesting that when we're hit with seasons that lead us down a path of grief and disappointment, it can lead us away from the very place that is supposed to help us. It can lead us away from the very people that are supposed to help strengthen us. They, they leave Jerusalem, and they're going to a place called Emmaus. Now, here's what you need to understand about Emmaus. That's, it's, in some translations, they say it's seven miles away. Other translations say it's 17 miles away. Other translations have said it's 21 miles away. The reason why all those translations exist is because nobody knows where it's at. Biblical archaeology has not been able to find the remnants of a city called Emmaus. So they are doing their best guesstimate and saying, hey, it may be seven miles away. It may be 17 miles away. We don't know. We have no evidence that it even ever existed. So watch this. They left Jerusalem where the community of faith was to go to the middle of nowhere. They, they left support to go to a place that can't even clearly be defined. And when you look at the definition of what the word Emmaus means, Emmaus means hot springs, warm bath. Exactly. <laughs> because that's the sound of a baby that's like, man, I could use a warm bath right now. <laughs> and who, who among us doesn't like a warm bath? Like, has, am I the only one that's old enough to remember the good old-fashioned Calgon Take Me Away commercials? When everything is falling apart, but if I can just get in this hot tub and put my feet up, everything will work. So, so maybe, maybe a mess for them was an opportunity to go to a place where they could relax, recharge, and get filled up. And I'm somebody who appreciates opportunities to do that. Last year, Megan and I, we went to Cancun for the first time, and this, it was a game changer. Listen, I want you all to hear me. I am, I am Celebration Orlando forever. But if you ever hear about Celebration Cancun, get worried. I'm out. I just, other than that, man, we good. We, we, get to, we get to Cancun, man, and we're there, and we do this aqua massage. And if you haven't done one, I'm telling you, Google it. Find yourself there. I can, you know what? If you actually, if you pay me, I'll go with you to show you the process of how to get this massage. I love to serve the people. This is what I'm called to do. We do this aqua massage, and when we're there, like, they take you on this circuit, and you go into a hot room and, and, and the sauna, and then they, they massage you with the water. So as we're sitting there, I'm like, Megan, this is amazing. This is so amazing. We're going to extend this trip. So right there on the spot, I say, we're extending the trip. I go and find the people like, hey, man, I want to stay here another two days. 
And for the life of me, I could not figure out why I could not convince these people to take my money. Like, I'm, they're like, sorry, I'm sorry, the place is booked. There's no more room left. Like, you don't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. Like, I mean, they, they were like, you, you got to leave. I'm like, no, like, I, 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 where do y'all sleep at when y'all stay here? I'll stay, I'll stay in one of the, like, where, where do y'all stay? They're like, nah, bro, you, you got to go. So it's the, it's the last day. And, and so, like, I'm, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bit in my, in my feelings right now. Like, I sat that last night, and you know that you're leaving the next morning. We got an early flight. So, like, my vibe is off the entire time. Megan didn't understand it. I'm staring down people like, man, what y'all doing here? Man, y'all not leading no church or nothing. You don't know nothing about no burdens and stress, man. Like, y'all need to give up. You need to give up your spot for me. Isn't that what the Bible says, that you got to give a profit or reward? Like, who going to give up their room for me? Like, I'm, I'm feeling all types of ways. I'm staring down people while we're eating. They're like, yo, like, what is wrong with this guy? There is somebody somewhere in the world right now telling the story about, remember when we went to Cancun, that guy just kept staring at us? That was me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was in my feelings. So that night, we're back in the room, and we're packing up. And, um, and Megan's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then, and then God said to me, like, yo, man, like, what's wrong with you? Now, again, when God speaks to me, it's a combination between the message translation and Ebonics. So he's like, bro, what's, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, Lord, I just wanted to spend a little bit more time. I just needed to be disconnected a little bit longer. And he hit me with this. He said, Keith, there's a big difference between going on a retreat to recharge and escaping in an effort to avoid. Exactly. I'm like, Lord, you got to drop that on me when I'm back at work. You can't put this on me while I'm in vacation mode. (laughs) He he hit me with this idea that there's a big difference between getting alone with God and getting recharged in his presence versus getting away from the community of God because you don't want to avoid the problems that are there. Man, like it, it, it hit me hard because there's a big distinction between getting alone with God and running away from God. See, we all have the Emmauses in our lives that we think are helping us to get away to recharge, but what they're doing is actually helping us to avoid the things that we don't want to deal with. See, for those disciples, Emmaus was a place to go because they had some emptiness that they couldn't define and they were trying to escape to avoid it. There was emptiness that they couldn't define, so they were trying to escape. Emptiness that they couldn't define, so they, they were trying to get away from it. What do you do with the emptiness in your life? Who, who do you turn to when those areas of your lives just aren't lining up the way that you thought they would line up and that emptiness and that gut feeling that you have where you don't feel at peace, that, that things aren't resolved, that somehow you don't feel, you don't feel like the things are going the way you want them to? Where, what is your amaze, the place that you end up turning to so that you can escape and avoid the very things that God is saying, will you just bring it into my presence? Well, will you, would you consider inviting me into it? turns out that, that Emmaus wasn't a place for them to get recharged. It was a place for them to avoid, and we all have those things that we escape to. Some of it is toxic relationship after toxic relationship, because we'd rather deal with the dysfunction with someone than to deal with peace and harmony away. That's the tension that we have to wrestle with. Where is your Emmaus? Where are you turning to? This is why passages like Psalm 46 reminds us that the Lord is my strength and my refuge. Whom shall I fear? We're we're not supposed to run from God when we have problems. We're supposed to run to him. What the disciples from Emmaus did is that they withdrew to get away from it all, but God, he didn't leave them there. The beautiful thing is that Jesus meets them while they're on this journey, that while they're walking away from Jerusalem, that, that while they're walking away from the place that he told them to stay, that while they're walking away from the emptiness that they were trying to avoid, that Jesus shows up and says, man, what are y'all talking about? Isn't it beautiful 
that even when we get off track, that God knows exactly where we are to try to reroute us. You, you ever use your map and you get off track and it's constantly rerouting you because it understands the direction you're going, it's not going to lead you to the destination. And sometimes you can get off at an exit somewhere else. Sometimes it requires you to make a, you have to make a U-turn. I love how the Holy Spirit works. So Jesus comes to them and says, listen, I, 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 you're getting away from what I called you to do. You're, you're getting away from the direction I called you to go in. And so you're going to have to make some changes. The biggest thing I want you to walk away with for us today is this. I must change if I want it to change. I, I have to make some changes if I want things to change in my life. I can pray about it. I can invite other people into it. But until I'm willing to do what's necessary to change, I'm going to continue to get the same results. There's three primary thoughts that I want you to walk away with today that I think can help anchor and reinforce some of the things that we're sharing about. Here's the first thing we need to change. We need to change perspective. We need to change perspective for these disciples that while they were on this journey, having a conversation about the crucifixion, about the suffering, about the disappointment, they're talking about the pain of culture. They're talking about the dysfunction of everything that they've experienced. They're talking about what the Pharisees did. They're, they're talking about the other disciples. They're talking about a lot of different things. Their perspective was off. So when Jesus shows up, the Bible says that he actually corrects them. And what he begins to do is he points them to the word of God. I want you to catch this, that as they were talking about a lot of different things, they were talking about disappointment, empty tombs, pain, suffering. Some people saw him, some people didn't. They're dealing with a lot of these cultural nuances and Jesus shows up in the world and he points them back to the word of God. Jesus is helping us to understand that if we continue to focus so much on what's happening around us, we won't recognize who's dwelling on the inside of us. He takes them back to the word of God. You know what you look at, you end up looking like. We're looking at a lot of different things, but imagine if we looked at the word of God. Let's, let's go there. Uh, imagine if... We looked at the word of God as much as we look at Fox News. Imagine if we looked at the word of God as much as we look at CNN, as much as we look at social media, as much as we look at culture. What you look at, you look like. Because if I'm not careful, I'll look to culture and then I'll start looking like culture. And now Jesus has lost his influence in people's lives because I'm no longer presenting a version to him that's consistent with scripture. I've once heard it said this way. If people hate you because of Jesus, that's okay. If they hate Jesus because of you, we got a problem. And unfortunately, because we're looking to people and they're not looking at scripture, we end up modeling a version of Christ that's inconsistent with his very nature. We have to change perspectives. Jesus shows up into their world and says, I need you to look at my word. I need you to look at what I'm showing you. I need you to look at, at what I say about you. I need you to change your perspective. Jesus invites them into this moment where he does this divine Bible study, walking them through the word of God and showing them him through things that they were familiar with. We have to change our perspective. The, the next thing that we have to change is we have to change our direction. After Jesus shows him himself through his word, after Jesus breaks bread with them and their eyes become open and they have this revelation of who Jesus is, the Bible says that they get up immediately and go back to Jerusalem. Now, what you got to understand is that that is a dangerous trip 
it's a profoundly inconvenient trip. In fact, we notice that when they are with Jesus, they ask Jesus to stay with them because it's getting late. Because it was not good to go and travel at dark times when you knew that there were going to be bandits and robbers out there, specifically at times when there was a lot of traffic coming off of Passover. So I wonder why the disciples didn't say, you know what, man, it's getting late. We'll, we'll head back to Jerusalem tomorrow. You know, we all like that idea of, hey, I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to think about it a little bit more. I'll process through it a little bit more. There, there was something on the inside of them that said, I am not going to stay here another moment. There was something inside of them that said that we got this revelation of the goodness of God. And instead of me delaying me getting to my destination, I'm going to get up and change directions right now. See, I remember for Megan and I, man, a couple years ago, we were looking at our finances. And I began to pray this prayer like, Lord, I just I just need more. I need more income. I need I need more resources. It's a prayer I continue to pray to this day. Um, you, you guys give me I mean, but but th- those moments where I'm like, Lord, I need more. And God says, you don't need more. You just need to store what you already have. So I began to put boundaries in place, or other words, a budget. And when I put that budget in place, I began to recognize that I had more margin than I thought because I wasn't haphazardly spending. Here's my point. You'd be amazed at what you can accomplish when you make up in your mind and you change directions. Your intentions don't determine your destination. Your direction does. We can have the best intentions in the world. We can have the best desires in the world. We can say, hey, I intend to make it to Miami. That's cool. But if you're on 95 and you're going north, at some point, you're going to end up in Canada. Like, it's just a fact. (laughs) Shout out to Drake. (laughs) I did that for my daughter. Okay. um, Some of y'all need to calm down. All right, so so watch. No No matter how much I intend to make it to the destination, unless I'm willing to change directions, I'm never going to get there. So many of us intend on getting peace. So many of us attend on getting to a place where we know we're going to be whole, but we're still in the same toxic relationships. We're still talking to the same people that's not helping us to move forward. We're still doing the same thing over and over again, and we're expecting different results. Emmaus will never accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. You're going to have to change directions. The disciples, they, they changed directions, and they went back to the very place that they had left. The third and final thing I want to share with you guys is that you have to change the narrative. You got to change the narrative. You got to change the story. Because for for the disciples, when they had this encounter with Jesus, they went back with a whole different story. Same, but somehow different. Watch this. When they left, they were processing the empty tomb. Man, the people that betrayed Jesus. Oh, it's awful. He had to, he lost his life. Wow. The empty tomb. That's what they were talking about when they left. Interestingly enough, They came back talking about the same thing, but they had a different posture. They were talking about how what Jesus did for them set them free, how when Jesus died, it gave us life. They began to talk about how the empty tomb actually fills them with purpose. We're looking at the exact same scenario, but they chose to change the narrative. What would it look like if we started taking the posture and saying, instead of saying, this is what happened to me, we started saying, look at what God's going to do through this. It's time to change the narrative. That the Bible tells us about Joseph and how he was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, ended up in prison. And when he finally finds himself, started from the bottom, but now we're here. See, some of y'all are tracking with me. Because I made a Drake reference earlier and then I just quote, never mind. Okay. When he's finally in his rightful place and now he's facing the very people that betrayed him, you know what he says? What you meant for evil, God used it for good. He changed the narrative. 
Instead of him fixating on what happened in the past, he recognized what God did in the present and what God was going to continue to do in the future. It's time to change the narrative. I, I want to encourage somebody in here. What has happened to you is not going to stop God from doing a new thing in you if you're willing to change the narrative. God can change the narrative. I don't care what your setback is. I don't care what your struggle is. I don't know what the pain is that you've experienced, but it's time for us to change the narrative because when we invite God into that same suffering, it becomes glory in our story. When we invite God to move in the midst of the brokenness, we begin to see restoration that's birthed from it. What I want you to know is when we invite Jesus into our story, there's power and demonstration in it. There's glory in your story if you are willing to invite Jesus into it. These disciples, they took the same conversation but had a completely different perspective because they decided to change the narrative. We're not victims, we're victorious. Man, I could do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We have to change the narrative. I'm not the head, I'm not the tail, I'm the head because of who Christ is in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Change the narrative. I have this mentality that I believed at the core of my being that the enemy continues to keep swinging and he keeps swinging, but I am still here and I keep getting up. So my mentality is this, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm gonna to continue to recognize what the power and presence of God is doing. So the enemy has come from my family, but I'm still here. He's come from my mind and I'm still here. He's come from my finances, I'm still here. We gotta make our minds up to say, I'm changing the narrative and inviting Jesus into the equation. See, after Jesus is speaking to them, they go back. And, and when they go back, they have this moment where they're now talking to the disciples about the risen Savior that they had this encounter with. Man, it's a powerful testimony. It's a powerful witness, and that became the transformational moment that was a catalyst that sparked a fire amongst every person that was there. You know, when I was um, with my son, and we were, we were off into the, the desert lands lost on that road, I said, hey man, listen, you, we, we gotta turn around. Every, everything in me, everything in me was just screaming to, hey man, pull over, I'll drive from here. It just, it was. But, but somehow God was like, nah, because if you come to the rescue, he won't know how to get back on track when he wanders off. So I had to sit there and walk him through it. Hey man, you gotta make a U-turn. You guys ever had to make one of those three-point turns that turn into a 21-point turn because, like, it's so, like, you just, we didn't have the technology. There's no sensors at the bumper. Like, you're just crashing into cans and stuff. Like, I'm like, get us out of here quick. I think we did a robbery. Anyway, so he, 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 he finally gets us there, and I said to him, I'm like, hey, man, the same road that brought us here is the same road that can take us to where we're supposed to be if you're willing to change directions. There, there's a statement um, that we have heard and it says, all roads lead to Rome. You guys ever heard that before? And, and the premise is built on truth. In 300 BC, as the Roman Empire was expanding, and as they were conquering new territories, they would build roads. And the idea was, no matter where you are, if you can just get to the road, you can make it back to Rome, this epicenter. I think the same can be said of us. But I'll replace Rome with Jesus. That no matter where you are, all roads will lead to Jesus. Some of us have never left Jerusalem and we've been there the entire time and I celebrate you. But if you're anything like me, there are times that I got off at the wrong exit. There are times I was going in the wrong direction and there were times when God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you need to turn around and you need to go back. It's time for you to leave Emmaus and get back to the place that I'm calling you to be to. Emmaus will never satisfy that emptiness. You don't need 
You don't need another job. You don't need another home. You don't, you don't need any of that stuff. That stuff is fine when it's in its proper context. Emmaus will never satisfy. It's time for you to make a decision to change perspectives, looking at God's word. It's time for you to change directions. And it's time for you to head back to where Jesus is calling you to go to. It's time to come home. Some of us have been in Emmaus too long. It's time to come home. Some of us have Emmaus relationships. It's time to come home. Some of us have been in environments that are just not helpful for us. It's time to come home. Let's stop avoiding these things and invite God into these things and get back to the place that he's calling us to be to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to I wanna pray for us. But before I do that, I want to create a space where we're inviting Jesus in. As Jesus was walking with his disciples, scripture actually tells us that he intended to keep moving forward. But then they stopped and they invited him to stay with them. That invitation was the catalyst for everything else. The moment they invited Jesus in, their eyes were opened. They got back on mission. They went back to the disciples and then they went on to fulfill their purpose. A lot of us have questions. A lot of us are dealing with disappointments. A lot of us have been in Emmaus. Some of us are there now and we want everything resolved now, but resolution comes after the invitation. Are you willing to invite Jesus in so that he can give you the clarity that you need so you can get back on the track that you're supposed to be on. If you're with us today and you're in Emmaus, maybe in an Emmaus relationship or maybe you're just away from God altogether, but you know that this is for you and that God is simply saying, it's time to come home. You've been away from me for long enough. It's time for you to come home. You've been running long enough. It's, t- it's time for you to come home. I know you're dealing with some emptiness, but it's time. It's time for you to come home. I know you've got some suffering, but it's time for you to come home. I know that you're afraid, but it's, it's time for you to come home. Jesus came to make it easy for you to come back home. If that's you and you're ready to come back home, I want you to boldly lift your hands up on a count of three. One, two, three. I'm ready to come back home. I'm ready to leave Emmaus. Amen. 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 Be bold. Be bold. Amen. 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 Church, can we put our hands together for everybody? That's inviting Jesus to bring them back home. I, I want to lead us in a prayer. And, and this prayer is an invitation. And many of us may have prayed this prayer before. And maybe for some of us, it's our first time. But it's our prayer of saying, God, I'm inviting you into my life so I can get back on track. I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I repent of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And because of that, I am saved. Fill me with your spirit and order my steps. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to celebrate with you, church. Can we put our hands together one more time, celebrating with every single person that has made that decision to come back home. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.